My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people that are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I will be speaking with Katuria Jones, Peyton Ash, and Dontea Jones. Not a lot of people outside of Nova Scotia know the story of Africville, but they should. Africville was a historic African Nova Scotian community in Halifax on the Bedford Basin. It was a poor yet resilient place, dense with ties of kinship and community. Its residents, for the most part, owned their homes, paid their taxes, and went about their lives. But over the course of the 20th century, those in charge of urban planning in Halifax cited increasing numbers of noxious land uses, things like a dump and various industrial uses, right next to Africville, with no consideration for the input or well-being of residents. Then in the late 1960s, these same powers that be decided that Africville was no longer a healthy place to live, and they evicted the entire community and in that process thereby made the land available for other uses by other people. This episode of Talking Radical Radio is not about Africville. Rather, it is about Halifax's North End, a neighborhood in which quite a few of those evicted from Africville ended up living. As long ago as 2008, a visiting scholar specializing in urban issues warned that what had happened to Africville could well happen to Uniac Square, a major public housing complex in the neighborhood, and to the North End community more broadly. Jim Silver was quoted at the time as saying, So far as I know, there's not a plan afoot, but there are broad social forces at work that will bring about the same end, end quote. Move forward to just the last couple of years. A few black youth from the North End were in a meeting with the local regional councillor. From her, they learned that, in fact, there was a plan, or, if not quite yet a finished plan, at least a process that was well underway to develop a plan that would lay out an approach to development and redevelopment in a section of the city that includes the North End. For the most part, residents had no idea this was happening. This was in the context of these youth already seeing signs of gentrification in their neighborhood. Gentrification is a process in which urban space is remade in ways that threaten to push out existing residents so that other people can make money. A sort of creeping 21st century version of the same logic that destroyed Africville. So far, the most visible signs of gentrification in the North End have been the opening of new businesses. The youth stress that they have no objection to new businesses in principle, the problem is, in contrast to the older, established businesses in the North End, many of the new ones are clearly not intended to cater to existing residents, particularly those with lower incomes. In fact, many seem to be run by people who don't know the community, who don't seem to want to know the community, and who often regard community residents, particularly black residents, with suspicion and unwelcome. Given all of this, these youth knew it was important to make sure that community voices got heard as the city developed what it was calling the Center Plan, so they formed the North End Community Action Committee. 
The group describes itself as, quote, a community-based, youth-led initiative with goals aimed towards assuring the voices and concerns of black youth, marginalized communities, and North End residents get addressed, with the overall objective of empowering black youth to better the communities they live in, end quote. Katuria Jones, Peyton Ash, and Dontea Jones are members of the North End Community Action Committee. In the last year, the group has mobilized residents to get their voices heard in the planning process in the hopes of heading off the dangers of gentrification with all of its echoes of Africville. They've also contributed to community improvement efforts like a street painting project. They've begun to get involved in work to make the city's schools more responsive to the needs of black youth, and they're in the process of setting up their own mentorship program. Jones, Ash, and Jones speak with me about Halifax's North End and about the work of the North End Community Action Committee. We spoke by Skype to phone from Halifax. My name is Peyton Ash. I am a first-year student at Dalhousie University. I'm a proud member of the North End Community Action Committee. My name is Dontaya Jones. I'm a part of the North End Community Action Committee. We are located in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And my name is Katoria Jones. I'm also a member of the North End Community Action Committee, and I am a student at Nova Scotia Community College. The North End Community Action Committee is a group that youth formed from a community in the North End of Halifax. We got together to bring communities together and also just talk about issues that are going on in the city of Halifax particularly to a Black community. Tell me about the North End community. I'm new to the community, but it's a very beautiful community. I find it's like, it's close-knit, but I feel like sometimes people want to isolate it, you know, for various reasons. It's, it, it can be considered a marginalized community, but I think there's a lot of growth happening, especially from what like we're doing and what we're seeing and stuff like that. We're just trying to, like, defeat the stigma of the North End community and Phoenix and North End Halifax. In some of the black communities, like there, people live in housing and mainly like low-income families. And we feel like some businesses and people who want to like build and construct things, we feel like they're a bit gentrifying our area in the North End. And tell me more about those stigmas that the community faces, and maybe contrast that with the good features of the community that you know to be there. Just like the stigmas of colored people, like, I don't know. I think I can give insight. So I live in the south end of Halifax, but I come up here, and I notice that, like, when I'm sitting on the bus and I'm about to get off in the square, people are looking at me because... I am an African Nova Scotian, and they assume that this is where I'm getting off because it is public housing and people assume that it's all, you know, black people. But there are a lot of very successful people. Lindell Smith, the Halifax counselor, he lives in the square. People assume that there's drug dealers and it's bad. And even my mom, who's not from the area, she told me, she's like, be careful when you're walking around the square. But that is just the stigma that we're trying to get rid of. That is not the case. It's, you know, the community is so nice. There's so many good people who live here, and it is safe. When you meet the people, you know, it's like, wow, I can't believe that people say things that it's dangerous or that only certain types of people live there when 
I walk around and there are, you know, Caucasian people and Asian people. And it's just been marginalized for so long that people have these preconceived notions of what the North End is like. And it's not like that at all. What signs of gentrification have you already been seeing in the neighborhood? Just that, like, there's new businesses and things like that, which is not a problem, but it's just that sometimes, well, most of the time when people of color go into the restaurants, they're not feeling welcomed and, like, not wanted in the restaurant because it's primarily um, people who aren't familiar with the community. There's a lot of businesses that are very entwined with the community that you go to, like, Randy's, right? Like everyone goes to certain businesses and they know the owners and the owners know us. And it's a more welcoming feeling than when we have someone from the outside who's there simply to develop and make money and not really interact with the customers as much because they're not from here. They don't understand the community. Yeah, exactly. It's nice to see people from here start up their own businesses and, you know, seek opportunity and stuff like that than have people from outside of the community just open another franchise or something like that. Or, and if they are doing the new businesses, like, yeah, we would like to see more people from this community establish their own business. But just if they were more welcoming and things like that, I don't think it would be, like, it would be great. There wouldn't be no problem. Because there are stigmas and stereotypes, and it would be nice if before people came here, they would lose those stigmas and stereotypes, you know what I mean? Because there's already a lot of preconceptions, I guess, that when people build in the North End community and or move here, that, you know, it's not a bad community. You only know that once you, you know, allow yourself to open up to the people and get to know them, like I did, because I'm not originally from here, and I just started working on the committee myself, and it's totally different. You know, people say things about it, but until you actually come here and you meet the people, it's like, wow, it's the exact thing as everywhere else. Tell me about the founding of the North End Community Action Committee. One night, we were just meeting with the District 8 counselor in Halifax. Her name was Jennifer Watts. She ran a group together to talk about a center plan that was going to be happening within, like, the District 8 of Halifax and a little bit of Dartmouth also located in Halifax and we had no clue about the center plan like it was already happening before she informed us so we just decided to form to make sure that our community didn't get left out make sure that we were implemented into the plan and just so like we're not forced out of the community that we currently live in and also to address other issues and bring our communities together try to get the youth to some activism and some leadership, stuff like that. Talk more about the center plan. The center plan that Jennifer Watts informed us about, it was just like a plan that Halifax wants to implement just to like, um, like to update communities, but more development and such like that. And we want to make sure that our voices get heard and that the community that we're from doesn't get gentrified in the process. The North End Community Action Committee is to bring people together and we do so so that we can be active outside of our community and make sure that we have a say in things that are happening outside and inside. 
What did you learn about the features of the plan in that initial meeting or after that made you concerned enough to want to take action? Just that there's going to be like new buildings being built and things like that. You know the story about Africville and Nova Scotia? We didn't want that to happen to our community, which is Union Square. So we didn't want it to get like removed from the community that we currently live in. They wanted to put up more like high-end buildings, well-designed buildings, and that would kind of isolate our marginalized community. And they're trying to, you know, branch out into us a little, you know what I mean? They're trying to upgrade a lot of buildings and it would force people who are living in more lower income housing to have to find other places to live. We don't have a problem with the updating and things like that, just as long as that we are also implemented in the action, that our community isn't isolated or torn apart because of the work that's being done. Uh, And maybe share a little bit of that history for listeners who don't know about Africville and what happened to it. Back in the day, Black people owned their homes down by the Bedford Basin, by the Amy Hay Bridge down there, and they owned their homes. Um, They paid taxes and things like that. They were just doing their thing, going to work and everything. But the city started dumping waste near their homes, so after a while, they told them, even though they were paying their taxes, that it wasn't safe for them to live there anymore because of the waste and the disposal that the city was dumping beside their home. So um, some people refused to move and things like that, but they just ran through with machinery and bulldozed down people's houses and relocated them to different parts of Halifax, promising them with certain promises, but this day, they still haven't um, received the house they were supposed to receive or the reparations for, you know, moving them out of their houses because they lost land, they lost their homes, and they were put into, obviously, at the time, houses that weren't as nice or developed. So it was pretty much they developed Athville on the backs of the residents, unfortunately. So after that initial meeting with the counselor where you learned about the plan, what did you do? We just were talking about it and things, and then a few of us just decided on our own to form this committee. Within that, we worked with the center plan. We did a community cleanup, a barbecue, brought the community out. We just constructed it, put out flyers, set a date, told everybody, went door to door. We did the cleanup in the morning, had a barbecue at noon and then we just had like music games and things like that and after that we cleaned up again we also set up like a little station for the center plan so people from the community who weren't informed about the center plan could be informed about what would be happening in Halifax. they gave our booklets so we were able to work as a group and put in what we would like to see happen in the center plan and gave them our feedback on what we would like to see in the center plan also. Did you get a good response to your events from people in the community? Yeah, we did, yes. We did get quite a few people to come out to the event. The media was there, the mayor was there, Andy Fillmore was there. Yeah, it was quite a good turnout. And what kinds of things did you hear from other people in the community about the proposed plan? Some people were a bit frustrated because they didn't really agree with how they were going to vote the plan or 
I can't really talk for them, but there's certain things that they weren't keen on. So they're a bit frustrated with a few things. In addition to your work around the center plan, I also know that you've done some other things. Like I saw on your Facebook page that you were part of a street painting party. Tell me about that. We linked up with the Creighton Street Project. They started to create that project because like the paintings located in the middle of Charles and Creighton Street, cars would like just speed down the street. And there's a lot of children who live in that area. There's a school like right on the corner of Charles and Creighton Street. The girl's name is Amy. She went to somebody in the government to see if she can get speed bumps or put up signs and things like that in order to get people who do drive down that street to lower the speed because a child could get hurt if the drivers are not paying attention. So they overlooked that and told her that there was not that much traffic going down that street to do so. So she took it upon herself to do a painting on the street. She also got permission from the city, of course. So we linked up with them and put out the notice, had a barbecue. Everybody came out to paint the painting and had some entertainment. What other issues is the North End Community Action Committee involved in? We're trying to encourage education that's more, I guess, tailored to the Black community so that people from the Black community can have the learning experience that they need. We've been going to some of the Black Notion education meetings as of recently and seeing what we want to see from schools that would better help Black learners. We're also thinking of doing mentorship and giving children in the community you know, leaders, people who look up to mentors, really, right? And what are the key things that need to happen to make Halifax schools more hospitable places for Black students? I don't know if it applies to other provinces, but there's this plan that they have here. It's called IPP, Individual Program Plan or something like that. It sounds like a really great plan, but it's for students who are not accessing with the rest of the class. They put them on their own individual plan to try to get the student to learn the specific skills that are needed to build their stuff up, learning at their own pace. But it's also designed to try to help the child to then be able to get off the plan and be able to be successful with the rest of the class. But it's not the case. They're supposed to test the child every so often to see where they're at and things like that. But Sometimes that's not even done, and the child is just left on the plan right up until high school. So, like, ICT, one of the biggest issues with it is that the testing isn't done as often as it should be, and I don't believe that the teachers are pushing the students in ICT to get off ICT because come graduation time and applying to university, you're not going to get into university taking that route. But a lot of these students, because they're already on the IPC, their self-esteem is already lowered because of that, because they think, all right, I need to be on this plan or I'm not going to graduate. But then it's closing opportunities for them. So we need a plan that's more diligent in helping the students with the areas that they need help with and then getting them off the plan and getting them back into the normal education system where they're actually up to pace with everybody else and they're presented with the same opportunities after graduation. What opportunities are there for the North End Community Action Committee to get your voices heard around these education issues? 
because we are established and because we have, you know, our name out there, we are invited to these meetings. Like we have been at meetings with the Minister of African Nova Scotian Affairs. We've been in meetings with people who are on the Board of Education. And we give the youth perspective. We give the Black youth perspective and the voice of UNIAC Square. So with just being invited in these meetings, our view and our take on current issues is heard. And people that we know from the community, especially youth, because we are a youth group, their voices get heard, which often isn't the case because they're young and inexperienced. But we make sure that we close that gap. And beyond the specific issues and actions that you've been involved in, tell me more about the nuts and bolts of how the group operates. We have meetings every week. Usually just plan them around our schedules because most of us are students and work or work. So we usually just set up meetings at least once a week whenever we can. We join in on other meetings around Halifax to share our knowledge and obtain knowledge for ourselves as well. We have an email, which is northendcac at gmail.com. And we have a Facebook group, which is North End Community Action Committee. We went to a live talk show the other day together. We educate each other and just we're a good group of friends as well outside of the committee. And we also have a website. It is northendcac.strikingly.com. Why is it important whether you're talking about the education side of your work or the gentrification side or the other things that you do, that you are a group focused specifically on amplifying youth voices. Because most of the time, youth do not get heard. So we feel like we need to be the voice of the youth so their needs and wants can also be implemented. And I believe that youth have an open mind. Adults don't have open minds. They're closed-minded. With adults, they always want to separate the youth from their meetings or whatever meetings they have. But with the youth, we don't want to separate each other, but we want everybody to come together. But, like, when people are so closed-minded, we can't always agree on, like, one idea, one main idea. So, like, with the youth perspective, it's much more broad and open, and we have great ideas for the future, and we are the future. That Where the adults are, they already have what they need to get through through life. We're just trying to get there and help the next generation get there as well. What kinds of responses have you had to your work from other youth in the community? There does tend to be a lot of interest. Like for the cleanup we did, we got some volunteers who were willing to help with the setup and things like that. And we sometimes go to talk to them to get their insight and then we bring it back to our group to try to construct ways where we can help youth in the specific thing that was brought up in meetings. I think being in the group, I think we inspire a lot of the kids. I think a lot of the kids do look up to us. Like when we're at the library, they listen to us more than they'll listen to anyone at the library because we can relate. We can relate with them and we're a voice for them. I think they truly appreciate what we do here at the North End Community Action Committee. And I think we're going to help some leaders take our places when we go on into the world as well. You had mentioned a mentorship program. Is that something that you're still working on or is it up and going? We're kind of drafting one. A lot of the members work at the YMCA. So a lot of us are already mentoring people in the community outside of the committee. 
but we are kind of thinking of doing an actual mentorship program that's ran by our committee, not just by the members, by the actual committee. And what do you hope to accomplish through the mentorship program? Give the kids in the community someone that they can go to when they need help with, you know, life or mental health or when they need help with school and they don't have anyone that they feel like they can relate to or role models that they'd like to help them. Something that we're thinking of doing is helping grade 12s with applying to university and getting to know how it's like to actually function in university, what first year is like, how to take notes and how to make friends and how to time manage and stuff like that. That's one thing we're thinking about doing because we're also thinking of working with younger kids and helping them and such like that. But we want to branch out into the high schoolers as well, because a lot of the time parents don't know how to write a university application or apply for scholarships and what words to use and stuff like that. A lot of us here, we go to college or, you know, if they need help with resumes, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. We can help older children with stuff like that as well. In your opinion, what would be the top two or three things that governments, whatever level of government, could do to improve the lives of people living in the north end of Halifax? I think the best thing that the government could do for the North End is upgrade public housing, reevaluate the effectiveness of IPC and make changes that we think would help a lot of the students, black students, and make sure that we're represented and that we are consulted when things are done because we are underrepresented. And we're trying to make sure that we're not underrepresented. What's coming up for the North End Community Action Committee in the next little while? Well, we are in the process of thinking about hosting a conference for people that are graduating from grade 12 to help them prepare themselves for university to be able to look in the right places for like bursaries and things like that. As Peyton said, like note taking and time management, just to help them integrate into university life and college life as smoothly as possible because there are different challenges posed for black students going into an environment like that than, you know, Caucasian students. We're trying to show them all the opportunities that they can get their hands on and how to be successful in obtaining those opportunities. So we're thinking of having most of the high schools from around the HRM congregate in an open area and just, you know, have some workshops and maybe have some speakers, have some food, and a good time, and hopefully people can take something from it. You have been listening to my interview with Katuria Jones, Peyton Ash, and Dontea Jones about the North End Community Action Committee based in Halifax, Nova Scotia. To learn more about their work, go to northendcac.strikingly.com or search for them on Facebook or Twitter. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to suggest topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week.